What's up, poker players? Thanks for stopping by to level up your poker game. My name is Mike Brady, and I'm joined by Scottish poker pro Gary Blackwood. What's up, guys and girls? Welcome back to the podcast. I am just back from two weeks in Los Angeles where I use my own podcast about splashy live poker games to absolutely crush the games. Really happy to be back with you guys this week. And today we're talking about small bets, when to use them, when not to use them, all things small bets. That's right. Today's topic is when to bet small. 15 or so years ago, small bets were used quite rarely by great poker players. But since then, the usage of small bets has grown as players realize how much expected value they can add to their overall strategy. Using small bets at the right time will allow you to win more pots and put your opponents in tough spots, so this is a vital topic. I do want to quickly say, as Gary said, he just got back from a trip to LA, and one of the main reasons he went out there other than to play poker was to vlog about it, so I highly recommend checking out Gary's vlog on YouTube. I believe it's youtube.com slash Poker. Pretty easy to remember, right, Gary? Absolutely. Yeah, so go check out his vlog. The first one's already up. It's good stuff if you want to see Gary put some of his strategies into practice. He makes a really epic decision in the first one. I don't <laughs> want to spoil it, so so go check that out over on YouTube. So anyway, into the topic. Let's start by going over the fundamental differences between small and big bet sizes. This might be a refresher for some of you listening, but I want to make sure everyone is on the same page, so this is important to cover. So I'm going to go over three quick things, uh, and then I'm sure Gary's going to have more to add. So number one, players should fold more often versus big bets than small bets, and that's because their pot odds are worse against the big bets. Again, this is very fundamental stuff that I just want to make sure everyone knows. When betting small, this is number two, when betting small, your bluffs need to work less often compared to when you're betting big. That's because your pot odds are better as the better. So you're betting less to win the same amount when you bet small compared to big. So your bluffs need to work less often. Third, you must bluff less often to remain balanced when betting small versus betting big. In other words, the range with which you bet small should contain a smaller proportion of bluffs. Anything to add to that list, Gary? Yeah, before I add anything to the list, I want to quickly reiterate point number one. As Mike says, you know, this is a quick recap, but it is really important that we understand that we call less versus big bets. So, for example, you know, in a three bet pot, if you're, you know, in position uh, and your opponent bets one third on eight, five, three, you get to float extremely wide um, because that bet size is small. Your floating range is drastically different. However, if your opponent bets correctly for, you know, 75 percent. Um, so really wanted to, 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 to reiterate point number one, because it's such an important fundamental of poker is that when your opponent bets larger, your floats, you know, your ace queen and your king queen off and your queen 10 suited, the, the frequency with which you, you float them is drastically different based on point number one. In terms of what I want to add to the conversation, absolutely. I'm sure there's plenty more things that will come up during the podcast, but a brief summary is that most of the time we'll use smaller bet sizes when the board is more disconnected. And the more connected the board, the more we tend to use larger sizes. For example, button versus big blinds, an example we love to use here on the podcast. I'll use 33% on king eight deuce. 50% on king 7-6, and 75% on a board like 9-6-4. You're going to be met with less resistance on king 8-deuce. There's a whole lot less hands that can call your c-bet, uh, which is why you get to bet small and you get to bet very wide. So the more connected the board, the less likely your c-bet is going to get through, so the less frequently you bet. And when you're betting less often, you tend to, of course, use bigger sizes. There are, of course, a couple of exceptions to that rule, like most things in poker. Like monotone boards, you know, you still use a small bet size, but some boards you're not betting very often on. 
And paired boards, again, you still use the small bet size, but you're not always betting for a very wide frequency. But for every other example, less frequent bets will usually mean bigger bet sizes. Yeah, now small can mean different things to different people. So let's define it before getting into specific examples and strategies. What do you consider to be a small bet, quote unquote? And can the answer to that question be situation dependent? So let's just make sure, first of all, that our listeners are all on the right page here. When we talk about small bet sizes, we mean in relation to the size of the pot. So if you're betting one third on the flop when there's five big blinds in there, that's a small bet. And if you're betting one third on the river when there's 140 big blinds in there, that's also a small bet. It's not the dollar amount. It's in relation to the size of the pot. In terms of your small bet sizes, you can actually build a strategy around never using smaller than 33% as your small size, and you can still have a very solid strategy. There are some situations where 25% is used. For example, in four bet pots, we do a lot of quarter potting, and even 10%. And there's a fantastic article on Upswing Poker that I'm sure Mike can, can give you guys a link to in terms of when to bet 10%. But if you're not quite there yet, if you're not confident enough in having a variety of small sizes, you can simply use one third as your small size for now until you feel comfortable expanding that. And it won't cost you very much EV at all. To answer the question, anything 33% and under would be considered a small size. How small you want to go depends on how confident you are implementing the right strategy. For example, you don't want to get it wrong and bet 10% in a spot where you should be betting 33% and vice versa. So if you're not 100% sure when to bet quarter pot or you know 10% or 15%, you can just use the one third as your small size and use that in all your small size spots and your strategy is still very solid. Yeah, if you want to read that article Gary alluded to about when to use those like tiny 10% pot bet sizes, just go ahead and Google tiny bets poker, type that into Google, it'll pop up first. The article is called like three spots to use tiny bet sizes. Super interesting stuff. It's not about betting like 33% and 25% stuff like that. This article is about when you're supposed to bet like 10%, or at least when the solver likes to do it. But again, if you want to just simplify, use like 33% as your quote unquote small size, that's fine. It's not going to cost you a lot of EV, and it might even be easier to implement. So feel free to go that route. All right, let's dig into the meat and potatoes of this episode. What are some factors that make you want to bet small? So let's talk about single raise pots first. You want to be betting 33% when you have a range advantage, but not a significant nut advantage. I'm about to plunder my upcoming upswing lab module for this topic. Um, say, for example, you open the button and the big blind calls and the flop comes down king 8-3. You've got about 54% equity here. You're doing relatively well on this board, but you don't have a really significant nut advantage. And if we break it down, you know, you've got pocket aces pocket kings and ace king but in terms of you know king eight king three pocket eights and pocket threes both players have all those combos so you've only got a slight nut advantage on this board in this spot you can of course use 33 percent say however you've got a board where you have a significant nut advantage like ace king six for example you actually want to be using bigger bet sizes and we'll talk next week in depth about the reasons for that and you know why we play so differently on king eight three and ace king six but the really disconnected boards and single race pots where you're doing relatively well you tend to want to use the one third size as the board gets more connected. You know, king seven six, where you'll be met with a little more resistance, you'll tend to use a 50% size. And then a board that's really connected, like nine five three, those types of boards tend to favor larger bet sizes as well. So in these single raise pots, you know, on like the ace king six, the solver really wants to start building a pot with really big sizes to make up for the fact that, you know, obviously it's a single raise pot. There's only five or six big blinds in there. And the solver wants to start building a pot as quickly as possible. Yeah, for sure. And for anyone who maybe doesn't know the term nut advantage, we've used it on past podcasts, but maybe this is the first one you're listening to. Nut advantage is the player who has more super strong hands in their range, like hands that are 
not necessarily the the true nuts, but effectively the nuts. And that counts as like a really, really good top pair on some boards. Like on King 8-3, there's not so many things that are the quote unquote nuts. So aces is essentially the nuts. You can treat it like the nuts. Take, for example, 9-8-7 though. Aces is not going to be the nuts. You know, the nuts on 9-8-7 is going to be jack-10 straights and like maybe some sets in two pairs. So it really depends on the board exactly what the quote unquote nuts are as far as the nut advantage goes but the point is it's super strong hands that's kind of the way i think about it who has more super strong hands and as gary alluded to next week we're actually going to be covering the inverse of this topic when to bet big so we're going to allude to certain big bet sizing strategies throughout this podcast it's hard to cover small bets without talking a little bit about big bets but next week we're really going to hone in on big bets so if you do have any questions about the big bet stuff we talk about just hold off on those because next week we're probably going to answer them Anyway, Gary, I know you have another point to make about factors that make you want to bet small. Take it away. Yeah, absolutely. So as briefly mentioned, you know, in a single raise pot on ace-king six, you've got a nut advantage. You want to bet big and you want to start to bloat the pot. Obviously, that doesn't apply in a three-bet pot because the pot is already a little bit bigger. Um, So the the same concept of, you know, betting big because you have a nut advantage does not apply in a three-bet pot because the pot is already quite big, which means that we should be using the small bet sizes so in a three bet pot, you can bet 33% on a board like King 8-3 or, you know, Ace-7 deuce or Queen-Queen-6. These boards are very good for you. The pot is already big. You don't need to bomb it so you can play for stacks. You can just bet 33% and still stack your opponent by the river. Yeah, and to just kind of talk through that, like imagine you three bet preflop to 10 blinds, let's say you get called. So there's like 20 blinds in there. If you bet 33% on the flop, say seven blinds, and you get called, there's going to be 34 in there. Assuming you started the hand with 100 blinds, you're going to be down to like 80-ish. So you're going to have 80 big blinds behind and 34 in the pot going into the turn. It's going to be pretty easy to like bet 20 big blinds on the turn and then shove the river. So you don't have to use that big bet size to get it in by the river. That's kind of the, the main part of Gary's point here that's really important to take away. Whereas if you look at a single raise pot, there's five, six big blinds in there. If you want any chance of getting a bunch of money in by the river, maybe not stacks, but even just a lot of money, you're going to need to bomb the flop. And that's why you'll even see the solvers sometimes use like over bets on the flop and double pot bets on the turn in certain situations because it really wants to juice the pot when it has a very strong hand and a superior range. All right, let's get into some specific examples now. Uh, So can you start by just listing the most common situations in which our listeners should tend to bet small? Yeah, so I've got five examples for us here. Some we've already spoken about. Single raise pots where the board is paired. Now, please note that is not three bet pots. There are some three bet pots where the board is paired. We actually do prefer using larger sizes. We'll maybe talk about some of those next week. But we've got single raise pots where the board is paired. Single raise pots where the board is good for you and relatively disconnected. All monotone boards, that's three bet pots, single raise pots, four bet pots. There are always some small exceptions to the rule, but overwhelmingly majority of the time on monotone boards whether it's single race three bet or four bet pots we tend to favor the small size and of course single broadway double broadway boards in three bet pots and four bet pots in those those four bet pots there are some that actually prefer 50 percent. but again that's more of an advanced strategy and you've got to be really confident that you're you're implementing that correctly and the reason for that is that you know it's a four bet pot so the pot is already quite big You see big differences in EV in the solver when the pot gets bigger. So if you make a slight mistake, say, for example, you bet 50% when you should bet 33% in a single raise pot, it doesn't cost you that much EV because the pot is relatively small. But if you're betting 50% in a spot, you should be betting 25% in a four bet pot. That's a big difference in EV because of the size of the pot. Yeah, and that's before we dive into each of these examples and give them some specific boards and stuff. 
that's a really interesting note that I kind of want to highlight. If you're someone who like studies with solvers on your own, or maybe you study with an upcoming upswing product that allows you to browse solver solutions, little teaser there, keep an eye out for that. I highly recommend focusing on bigger pots. Learn four bet pot strategy, three bet pot strategy. Those are going to have the biggest difference in your win rate. You obviously got to study the single race pots too, but as Gary said, the EV difference between a lot of those decisions is not going to be huge. So if you really hone in on like three bet, four bet pots, kind of as your top priority studying moments, using a solver or using the the upcoming upswing product that is a solver explorer and trainer, that's going to help you kind of increase your EV in these already huge pots. And that's going to pay more dividends than studying single race pots. But that said, don't neglect single race pots because those are the most common. So you want to make sure you study those too. Anyway, let's dive into each of these five examples that Gary talked about, come up with some specific boards, maybe talk about them a little bit, just to kind of flesh this out before we call it a day. So single race pots where the board is paired, you know, I assume we open button, big blind defense, 772, 3-3-8. Does it kind of matter that it's the low card that's paired because the big blind will have more of that trips? Or are you also doing it on like ace-ace-4 and king-king-5? Like, how do you kind of think about that stuff? So my own strategy in this spot is really quite simplified. Um, any paired boards, I'm using a one-third bet size. Um, so that doesn't change. There are some low boards where you know 50% might be preferred, but it's, again, single-raised pots. If you're betting 50 in a spot, you should be betting 33 and vice versa. It's not the end of the world. You know, It's not going to cost you any of e, if any at all. So I use one-thirds. Uh, so that doesn't change based on you know the texture of the paired board. One thing that does change is the frequency. So obviously a board like King King 6 is really good for you. You get to bet basically your entire range. But a board like 554 Flush Draw, which is lower, more connected, as Mike has referenced, you know, the big blind's going to have more trips in their range. Your frequency will then come down. So, you know, our sizing doesn't change based on the, you know, the specifics of the board, but our frequency absolutely does. And again, it's just we need to be really mindful of the fact that, you know, we should know King King 6 is very good for us. We get to bet really wide. 554, it's still probably better for us, but not insanely good like king king six so our frequency needs to come down but we should be using one third as our seabed size yeah and the main thing you're being cognizant of there is just how good the board is for the big blind compared to another board so you know you don't want to just be blasting 100 percent of the time even for a small size into a range that has a bunch of trips because they defended the big blind and they have like five six offsuit and you know five three suited and all these hands that you might not have i also want to ask like kind of one more follow-up question about those boards how much does it matter that, say, you raised from the button compared to raising from early position? Because, for example, if it comes 5-5-4 five, five, and you raised on the button, you actually do have some fives, right? You, you have ace-5 offsuit. You might even have king-5 offsuit, depending on certain things. You know, you'll have more suited fives. But if you're under the gun in a six-handed game, you're not raising ace-5 offsuit, certainly not king-5 offsuit, only a handful of suited fives, meaning you're going to have significantly less trips than the big blind. How much does that really matter? I assume it doesn't change your size at all, but it just further decreases your frequency. So the frequency does come down a little bit, but not as much as you might think. You'd be absolutely forgiven for thinking, you know, well, if I open under the gun and the big blind calls, you know, on 733, I don't have much 3x compared to the, the big blind. So your frequency does come down, but it's, you know, it's really not that much. Overall, you still want to be betting, you know, around 50, 60% of the time uh, compared to a board like King, King 6, where you just get to bet your entire range and keep it nice and simple. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Frequency does come down, but not as much as you might think. And again, just to reiterate the point, whether it's button or, or you know, MP or under the gun, you're still using that small bet size when you do see bet these boards. Yeah. And just to speculate why the solver maybe doesn't decrease its betting frequency on that board. And, you know, we're trying to uncover the mysteries of the solver here. So we, <laughs> we, we might not, we might not totally nail it, but I'm guessing 
you may have raised under the gun, therefore your range doesn't contain as much trips, but it also contains a higher proportion of very strong hands, right? Because you because when you open from the button, you have like king eight offsuit. So when it comes five five three, you have a bunch of like total offsuit trash that misses the board. But if you raise from under the gun, like your worst hands are like jack ten suited, and you know, like you you have a very condensed strong range. So while you have fewer trips, you also have just a more condensed powerful range. So that's why maybe the the frequency only goes down a little bit. Grain of salt with all that because I am purely speculating on why our computer overlords are making these decisions. All right, (laughs) (laughs) moving on to the next one. You said single raised pots where the board is good for you and disconnected. You had talked about King 8-2 as one example. Um, What are some other examples of like these disconnected boards that are good for you and thus warrant a small C-bet size probably at a high frequency? Yeah, they're really quite easy to work out, you know, anything that's, you know, not really connected. So, you know, king eight deuce, queen five deuce, ace nine four, all these, you know, single Broadway boards that are disconnected. You want to be using a one third C bet size on. Please note, however, you know, all those boards I've just listed, we don't necessarily bet our entire range. Some of them like, you know, queen seven deuce and king eight three, you can just simplify and bet your entire range. But a board like King 5 3 or Ace 9 6, for example, you know, certainly Button versus Big Blind, MP versus Big Blind, these are not spots where we get to just bet our entire range. That is another topic for another uh, podcast day. But really important, you know, we've spoken a lot about, you know, betting small and betting very frequent. Gone are the days where you just bet your entire range on Ace 9 4. Uh, and if it's something we are doing, you know, Mike and I have spoken a little bit about, you know, how to study, et cetera, today. And um, that would be one thing I would look at is, you know, looking at boards where you're not supposed to see bet your entire range. Because if you are betting your entire range, then that is a bit of a leak and you want to be plugging that immediately. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Ace high boards in particular get a little funky. Sometimes they like, I know they like to use bigger sizes here and there, and it's a little bit counterintuitive. I remember in Nick Petrangelo's first tournament course, he had a whole video about like, hey, tournament players who are just betting small on all ace high boards, stop. Look at these three <laughs> ace high boards and none of them is that a prevalent strategy. So it's kind of, ace high boards can be a little counterintuitive for some reasons that we're not going to get into actually gives me the idea. Maybe we should just cover ace high boards as a whole podcast episode because they're the most common type of board and, you know, they're pretty important and and there's some unintuitive stuff that happens. So I'll kind of just leave you guys with that a little bit of a cliffhanger, but let's move on to the next one. So all monotone flops. Our last episode was exclusively about monotone flops. So I don't <laughs> think we have to talk about this too much. I think I can maybe even cover it, but Gary can take over if anything needs to be added. Monotone boards are these really unique types of flops where we bet small, but not necessarily frequently. Most of the time we're betting small for what, like a 30-ish percent frequency, Gary? Maybe up to 50 on some boards, but we're betting small on all of them. Is that roughly how it works? Yeah, I mean, if you guys want to get a nice recap, the podcast that we did a couple of weeks ago was absolutely fantastic. And obviously lots of of great info in there in terms of frequencies, etc. Just want to quickly add to what Mike said in terms of you know, why the solver wants to use that smaller bet size. And it's because the board can just change so easily, so drastically if, you know, the fourth heart comes or the, you know, the fourth diamond. So the solver will generally tend to use smaller bet sizes on the really dynamic boards that can change so much. Uh, and monotone boards are a perfect example of that. Yeah. And like in contrast to like an 853 board, you know, there's a lot of straight draws on 853. There are some turns that about around i think it's around half the deck basically that adds a possible straight but those don't change the board so drastically right like it's not huge it's not totally game changing that seven six and and some ace x hand got there it's only a few combos but when you look at a monotone board and a fourth heart coming or, or whatever the flush card is that's just a drastic drastic difference i think really the only comparison 
that's kind of similar would be like a three to a straight board that's like nine eight seven right like i imagine that uses a pretty small bet size for the same reason because there are a handful of turns that make it a four straight and that largely changes the board I, I, is it kind of a similar effect there yeah absolutely for example i'll use 75 percent on eight five three but on eight seven five i'll use a 50 percent. there's so many you know small golden rules that add up to make the game of poker if you like but that's very much one of them is that you know eight five three we can use the big bet size but you know seven three deuce all hearts we've got to use a small bet size and you know seven six four rainbow or flush draw we've got to use a middling bet size the more the board can change the more you tend to favor a smaller bet size yeah for sure monotone boards are the time i break out the min bet when i'm playing poker most often (laughs) for sure when i'm playing on like ignition zone or live that's the time where I find myself tossing in one one big blind on the flop because I, I literally can't even bet as small as I'd want to. I'd want to bet like twenty percent on the monotone board. <laughs> All I could do is is min bet and it ends up being like twenty two percent, which I'll take it. All right. Anyway, the next one you listed three bet pots when the board is good for you. You talked a little bit about those earlier, but feel free to expand as you see fit. Yeah, relatively self explanatory. Again, you know, there are a lot of three bet pots where the board is good for you. King high boards in particular are very good for you as a pre flop aggressor. There are some exceptions to that rule. You can actually build a strategy around using a 75% C bet size small blind versus button on like King Jack 3 flush draw. Again, it's not going to drastically increase your EV, so it's not a, you know, a mandatory thing to be uh, you know an absolute crusher. I still use one third in that scenario, for example. Uh, but again, just to reiterate the point that we made earlier, when you have that nut advantage, the pot is already big. And, you know, Mike gave the great example in terms of big blinds, Sarah. You don't have to bomb the flop to be able to stack your opponent by the river. You can bet small on the flop, bet 60% on the turn, and then shove the river. But these three bet pots where the board is relatively good for you get to use the, the one-third size there as well. Yeah, makes sense for sure. It also kind of makes their life a little too easy, right? If you do bet big and you have the nut advantage, because they're like, oh, well, he has a strong range and he bet big. I guess I'll just get <laughs> I'll get out of there with my marginal hand, you know, but if you bet small with your nut advantage, they're like, "Oh, well, he has a lot of good hands, but it's a small bet. I have a marginal hand. I'll peel a turn." And that's actually good for you. You want those hands to be in that spot where they have to make a tough decision and it's not just like, "Oh, he bet big and he has a strong range easy fold." You don't want to make their decisions easy like that. All right, and the last one you had listed was single Broadway and double Broadway boards in four bet pots. And you had mentioned that some prefer that 50% bet size, but let's, let's put that to the side. You already kind of covered why these boards like the small bets. Uh, what are some examples of these single and double Broadway boards that like to see these small bets and four bet pots? So uh, if we really think about you know, our range pre-flop, we've done a fantastic podcast on four betting and you know, the types of hands, etc. They like four bet. A single Broadway or a double Broadway board, you, your range is really condensed. If you four bet, for example, your range is really condensed to hands like King Jack, King Queen, Ace Jack, Aces, Kings, Ace King, etc. So a board that comes down, you know, King Seven Deuce, you rarely miss on a board like that. And if you do miss, you've got backdoor equity for days and days. Whereas your opponent is going to have hands like Six Five suited, Ace Five suited. Essentially, they have more misses. So those single Broadway boards. And the double Broadway boards are so good for you as the, the pre-flop aggressor in four-bet pots. That, as a quick side note, that's why you like to use the big size in a four-bet pot. The solver will use half pot sometimes to press its nut advantage on like King Jack 3, for example. Not a necessity by any stretch of the imagination. You can build a strategy around using quarter pot bet sizes or even 33 if you really want to, and it's still very profitable. But again, if you think about your pre-flop range and how it's constructed and how well it does on a board like 
King Jack Deuce, for example, uh, you know, you're doing really well there. So you want to you know, bet really wide, really frequently for that small size. And again, as mentioned at the very beginning, you can use one third as your small size, or you can use 25% as your small size. Cool. Or they could read that uh, Tiny Bets Poker article. Google Tiny Bets 100%. Poker, read that article on Upswing, maybe find some spots to bet 10%, add some extra EV to your strategy. It's a good article. Absolutely. And by the way, guys, we publish two strategy articles per week on Upswing, generally speaking. Some weeks we don't because we send out this podcast instead, but many weeks of the year we publish two free strategy articles on upswingpoker.com backslash blog. We also send them out to our email list. So if you sign up for one of our free resources like our preflop charts or we have an upcoming ebook coming out at some point when I finally finish editing it. So sign up for one of those. You'll get added to our email list and you'll get those articles sent to you. Or you could just go to upswingpoker.com slash blog every week and, uh, and see what we've been publishing. Got a lot of great stuff there. All right, so in the next episode next week, we're going to cover the other side of this topic, when to bet big. So keep an eye out for that wherever you get your podcasts. If you got value from this show, please take a moment to rate the podcast five stars if you're listening, or click the like button if you're watching on YouTube. And of course, be sure to subscribe or follow so you get notified when future episodes come out. I saw today only 25% of people who watch or listen to the show are actually subscribed. So if you're one of those 75%, hit that button. It's free and it helps us out. By the way, if you play poker tournaments, you should know that we've got an advanced course coming out in May, just in time for the World Series of Poker. Longtime friends Darren Elias and Nick Petrangelo are currently finishing up Road to Victory, the ultimate tournament course. Darren and Nick have combined for over $40 million in live tournament earnings, and many millions more online. Darren has a record four World Poker Tour titles and is a master of exploitative tournament strategy, while Nikki P is a super high roller regular who is a master of equilibrium strategies. You get the best of both worlds in this course, and as someone who has watched most of the content they've made so far, trust me when I say you do not want to miss this one. I feel like I'm going to win the World Series of Poker main event this year. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Darren will be releasing free videos on the Upswing Poker YouTube channel throughout April so you can get a preview of his teaching style before buying the course, so be sure to check those out. If you want to save your spot in the Road to Victory course, pre-registration is available now on upswingpoker.com. I will add a link to that to the description of the podcast on YouTube and also in the, the podcast on the audio platforms, although that one probably won't be clickable, so feel free to just Google, you know, Road to Victory Upswing Poker. I'm sure it'll come up. See you in next week's episode when we cover when to bet big. Take care.